the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, October 18th, 2021. Question for you. Not rhetorical. From what I can tell from the emails and calls to this show, this is a generally happy audience. I'm a generally happy guy, but there are things that should make us angry, righteously indignant. No? King Solomon tells us there's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. Aristotle, the first political scientist in book two of the Nicomachean Ethics, writes that righteous indignation is the mean between envy and spite. And these states are concerned with the pain and pleasure that are felt at the fortunes or misfortunes of our neighbors. That's Aristotle for you. Everything is about building the right, safe polis, including concern for the fellow citizen. I was listening to Dennis Prager's show this morning, and every minute I got angrier and angrier. Not at Dennis, of course. He was talking about his experience with COVID, and he even had his physician on his show. What got me angry was how politicized medicine has become, not just science generally, but medicine and it was exampled, evidenced to me in sharp relief with Dennis's experience. To get what he needed to cure his COVID, he had to drive to a different county. Why? Because the medicine, the, anaclonal, uh, the monoclonal antibodies he and his doctor wanted him to take were not approved for use in L.A. County. He had to go to Orange County. We'll get to why in a moment. Meantime, his doctor was speaking about a series of studies and other therapeutics that are shown to work with COVID patients, some reducing fatalities by as much as 50%. And then the doctor said this, and you will never hear Anthony Fauci mention it. Quote, you will never hear Anthony Fauci mention it. Close quote. Why is this the case? Why are there, why, why, why are the anticlonal antibodies and other therapeutics ineffable? Well, the answer to these absurd questions used to be because Trump. Now it's because DeSantis or because Florida. Now, let me insert a a parenthetical here. Remember how irresponsible Ron DeSantis was, according to all the media and really all the Democrats, letting people decide for themselves if they wanted vaccines or their kids to wear masks? Irresponsible. You'd have thought Florida was becoming Jurassic Park after the electricity shut down and the fences were breached by the Velociraptors and Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Well, let me share with you the news of the day that you won't really get anywhere else. Florida currently has the lowest per capita COVID cases among the contiguous 48 states. I'm sure, as one person on Twitter put it, We'll see all kinds of stories on the Florida miracle. Don't hold your breath. Now, knowing what we know about vaccines and breakthrough hospitalizations and deaths, might that be cause to stop the government from telling employers and employees, Americans, 
They have the Hobson's choice of their job or their personal sovereignty and health decisions. Might we see stories on why masking children and vaccinating them may not be necessary after all? Certainly without a mandate. You will not see stories and questions like that. Why? Because if a Republican is right, it takes on the general theory in America these days that he must be silenced or condemned. And they will use other reasons, as every tyrant does. If a Republican says something interesting, especially has to do with individual rights, it is wrong for the country. And anything will serve this right think and right speak. I can give you example after example, but this ought to do as a recent one. A few weeks ago, I think we highlighted this, Bill Maher had Jackie Combs on his show. She's a storied and experienced and well-known and respected journalist in her profession. She's now at the L.A. Times. She said then on Maher's show, shockingly to me, that journalists do not have a duty to be fair to both sides. Now, today, she reduced it to writing and wrote in her column, quote, when reporters or pundits use the words both sides in regard to some political problem, I stop reading or listening. I started to chafe at false equivalences a quarter century ago as a congressional reporter amidst Newt Gingrich's Republican revolution. One party, she's still writing, one party, his, was demonstrably more responsible for the nasty divisiveness, government gridlock, and norm-busting. Yet journalist pressure to produce seemingly balanced stories prevented reporters from sufficiently reflecting the new truth. Close quote. Keep in mind that phrase, the new truth. Well, she was wrong then and she is wrong now. I remember 1994 and 1995 pretty well. I remember Congressman John Lewis, the conscience of civil rights in the House of Representatives, a Democrat. He spoke of Gingrich's policies on welfare as given to us in white robes. Jeff Jacoby reminds us that left-wing journalist Robert Scheer was not chided for describing Republicans as cold-hearted creatures who, quote, would rather kill people than raise taxes, close quote. Nor was ABC's Sam Donaldson when he analogized Newt Gingrich to the Soviet dictator Lenin, quote, they both made a revolution by shooting people, close quote. How about this? It's not the S-word or the N-word anymore, Donaldson said. They say... Let's cut taxes, close quote. The New York Times editorialized in a cataract of abuse titled Newt Gingrich Authoritarian. His race-based politics were, quote, a proxy for race baiting. How about this from the New York Magazine's Jacob Weisberg? Quote, George Wallace was big in rural Georgia, too. Jesse Jackson, still popular back then. Very. He said, quote, the most hideous schemes are being put forth now in the name of conservatism. If this were Germany, we would call it fascism. If this were South Africa, we would call it racism. In America, we call it conservatism. Close quote. What is the point? Anything conservative, Republican, is dismissible this way. If it's conservative, it's subject to all kinds of libel. Extremism or extremists is the least of it. For one purpose only, ridding of any respectable quarter, any conservative ideas, speech, or politicians. You'll see it in extremists when conservatives get sick, be they Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis' wife. Homicidal fantasy becomes the new normal. Wishing 
the worst for them. Of course, you had this before they got sick, too. All kinds of plays and assassination themes were directed at Donald Trump. They, the new left, believes we are the unenlightened in their socialist dream palace and can be treated like the bourgeois after the revolution because, A, they think the revolution is here, and, B, that is what revolutionaries do, eliminate the opposition based on religion or beliefs or class or race. And the first step is always the limiting of free speech. Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson understood this well. He wrote in 1943, those who begin coercive elimination of dissent will soon find themselves eliminating dissenters. Enforced unification of consent maintains only the unanimity of the graveyard. And graveyards mean nothing to tyrants, be they Stalins or Maos or Pol Pots or Nazis. But I digress. We are talking about public health here, and your authorities have lied to you, been lying to you, and are now censoring you when you speak out. Shall we talk vaccines and mandates for a moment? How much do you hear about breakthrough infections and deaths? Some states don't even report them, like Arizona. Some do, and you find those that do show something awfully different than this being a disease of the unvaccinated. In September, Vermont, the most vaccinated state, showed that 70 percent of COVID with or for deaths were of the fully vaccinated. Seventy four percent. In Rhode Island last month, the vaccinated were five times the hospital population for COVID as the unvaccinated. The vaccinated were four times the deaths of the unvaccinated. But there's a much bigger point here about kids and COVID. Kids in masks, kids in vaccines, kids in these mandates. The fully vaccinated have died from or with COVID at seven times the number all children have died from or with COVID since January of 2020. Got that? So who are we doing this for? To satisfy another psychiatric malady? I take it authoritarian personality disorder? All this put me in mind of something the philosopher Hannah Arendt once wrote a long time ago, 1957. The project of progressive education, she wrote, by abolishing the authority of adults, implicitly denies their responsibility for the world into which they have borne their children and refuses the duty of guiding them into it. She continued, have we now come to the point where it is the children who are being asked to change or improve the world? And do we intend to have our political battles fought out in the schoolyards? Close quote. It took a long time to answer that question, but the answer is now yes. And if the answer is something else, like children can get COVID and spread it to adults, I just can only say one thing. A society that fears its children is a society that has surrendered all moral authority and indeed the entire concept of childhood. It's little better than a society that tortures its children. Children are not monsters. In fact, adults are usually instructed to dispel the notion of monsters when children fear them, not turn them into them. I, for one, am ecstatic Dennis is better, and my only hope is his voice and reach grow stronger and stronger. Refua Shlema, Dennis, and also Mazel Tov. He, like you, is not a stumbling block before the blind. He, like you, is in the business of destroying those stumbling blocks. The hour is late, but we can tarry no longer.
excited about an event we have coming up November 16th, just a little less than a month from now. You want to know who's coming? Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, and Larry Elder. We're calling it America for which it stands, defending her in an age of authoritarianism and censorship. November 16th, Prager, Kirk, Elder. I'll be there, too. I'll moderate their discussion. You can get more information at 960thepatriot.com. 960thepatriot.com. It's going to be at the Orpheum Theater. Not to be missed. I was talking with some colleagues around here about this event. Prager, Kirk, Larry, now may be the biggest and best event we've ever done. I am so looking forward to this. All right. I had told you about the knee-jerk reaction to anything um, that doesn't make sense policy-wise, why something that works should be condemned or criticized. used to be because Trump, if he supported it, it was bad. Now it's because DeSantis. How did this whole anticlonal – the the, uh, monoclonal antibody – sorry, dyslexic – the monoclonal antibody issue become so politicized because DeSantis – as um, as uh, Charles Cook writes it up, uh, he says, yes, two months ago, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida was being roundly castigated for promoting the use of Regeneron's monoclonal antibody treatment as part of his state's effort to fight COVID-19. Desperate to find something sinister in this push. DeSantis's critics threw out every charge they could dream up. At first, the line was that Regeneron's treatment didn't work. Then it was that Regeneron's treatment worked fine but represented a dangerous distraction from the vaccine. And finally, it was that Regeneron's treatment was part of a corrupt plot to enrich DeSantis's donors. Today, we learn from the Washington Post that actually none of that was the problem. Instead, DeSantis's sin is that he has been relying upon monoclonal antibody treatment too much and that this is unfair to other states. Well, what a difference eight weeks can make. The Washington Post informs us that the Biden administration has been so impressed by the impact that Regeneron's treatment has made that it is now seeking to stave off shortages of the drug by purchasing 1.4 million additional doses and tasking the Department of Health and Human Services with setting, quote, the rules for distribution instead of allowing states, medical facilities and doctors to order them directly, close quote. In explaining this move, the Post submits that, quote, soaring demand for the therapy represents a sharp turn from just two months ago when monoclonal antibodies were widely available and awareness of them was low which is certainly one way of admitting that the same people who relentlessly condemned DeSantis for trying to raise that awareness just two months ago are today coming around to his point of view. Last month, Dr. Leanna Wen, former head of Planned Parenthood, told CNN, quote, we know what works to prevent people from contacting this disease, contracting this disease, masking and vaccination." We should be focusing on those measures. It's totally backwards to say that we should be focused on treatment instead of prevention and the steps that we know work to stop COVID-19 in the first place, close quote. A few days later, 
This was echoed almost verbatim by Dr. Christian Rammers, an infectious disease expert in San Diego, who proposed that promoting Regeneron's treatment was a backward strategy. It's so much better to prevent a disease than to use therapy, he wrote. It does not make any medical sense to lean into monoclonals to the detriment of vaccines. It's like playing defense with no offense, he said. Of course, this was never remotely true. Yes, in an ideal world, all Americans who are able would maybe go and get vaccinated if they decided that was right for them. But we do not live in that world. We live in a free country. And for whatever reason, a considerable number of people in this free country of ours are just not going to do what Wen and Rammers and Fauci tell them. I have my own theories. As a result, our various governments have been faced with a choice. They can throw their hands up and say, well, if you won't get vaccinated, I guess we'll just watch you die. Or they can accept reality and say, "Okay, bad decision, but I guess we'll try to help you some other way. From the moment that monoclonal antibody treatment became a viable option, DeSantis and others chose the second course of action. Two months later, it has become so obvious that they were right. The Biden administration even feels obliged to play ration cop. I wonder, is the president backwards, too? A lot more to say about this, and I will do so in a moment. But let me first see if I can work in a guest uh, caller, William in Phoenix. Hello, William. Hi. Um, On your... uh tyrannical aspect of the Democratic Party, which I definitely agree. Um, I actually, I I shouldn't use the word tyrannical. I mean, I I should use the word totalitarian, but I think you'd still agree. Okay, yes, that that they want to, that they intend to. But there seems to be a missing factor in the world of public relations, and that's the, the opinion leaders that are on your side, whether it's doctors or McConnell or anyone. Uh, when we had all the, in, in two, 2017, when we had all the um, co- commissions and committees, the Democrats managed to stop and thwart them and everything else. But we wait, like we have to wait for to get control before we say anything. You have senators who, I think Ron Johnson, maybe one other, uh, is pushing back on the mandates, but how about it's Rand far Paul? Between. How about Rand Paul? Yeah, and Rand Paul, but even when he spoke, no one Tom showed Cotton? up. But they're lone voices without showing up. Without showing like, up? What do you mean by that? M- meaning, when Rand Paul made most of the speeches, it was still an empty No, no, uh, no, 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 assembly. no. He's done most of it, frankly, I think, William. I'm going to put you on hold if you want to uh, have a, the last word or a second word on this. But I think most of the stuff Rand Paul has been known for has been in open committee hearings with all eyes on him, covered by all the networks, including CNN. Um, But your point isn't completely off, and I would like you to say a little bit more about it because I think you might be on to something big here. But I think it's more than a few lone wolves. I honestly do. I honestly do. It's just a problem when CNN won't air them or airs their segment 20 seconds and airs 10 Democrats in a row saying something else. I think that might be part of the concern. I think. That's why we play their audio here so much. If you wonder why we play audio, it's because we want you to hear what CNN doesn't. But you can stay on and we'll talk more about it. We'll be right back. Back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and 
Economy Update with John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He has a radio show here, The Word on Wealth, every Saturday morning at 7. Grand Canyon Planning Associates secures Arizona's future one family at a time. How are you, John? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. What's interesting uh, today in the economy? I I suppose we're going to have another debate about taxes and fairness pretty soon. I guess that's coming down the pike. Why not? Why not? (laughs) Why not? I don't know how many times we have to go through this, but we're hearing the talking point again and again and again that it's about the rich paying their fair share of taxes, isn't it? That's one of these big issues. and I. It's one of these kind of talking point myths that never really die but never really approach the truth either. But you, think of this. Go back to 1996. Yeah. It was a man named Steve Forbes. I remember him. Supported <laughs> a flat tax. Yeah. This was, you know, revolutionary at the time. Not really, but, I mean, it was something that he was pushing yep. during his bid for the presidential uh, seat. He, 17% flat tax on all personal and corporate earned income. Right. Now, unearned income, such as capital gains, pensions, inheritance, and such savings would be exempt from that. But this, you talk about fairness. If Did we lose it? We might have. Do me a favor, Bill. I'm going to keep the show going. Uh, Bill, let me have him. We'll, we'll finish his point in the next segment. It'll be perfectly fine because uh, we were having a dialogue with William on vaccines anyway. William, your point was our leaders, our elected leaders, aren't doing a good enough job. Is that right? Yes, and and I'd like to expand pretty clearly. What would it take for to use a therapeutics and have any of our local senators or whatever set up a campaign where they push and they deliver therapeutics and make it a thing and have people have the news attend? Or you, anything Trump says gets covered because he's that's how media goes for that. So why is um, McConnell so quiet that he doesn't get any attention except for goes on little shows? If you're going to get covered in the media, it isn't because what the Dems have to say is so much better because they cover Trump all the time. What is is that they you have to set something up that becomes a media factor, that becomes something they would cover. And you never go to CNN, but you could go to NBC, ABC, CBS, and you could get covered fighting this. I just It just seems like the one time when they did have it where the bunch of doctors were at the Capitol, yeah. nobody stood behind those people. None of the senators, none of the people came and supported them when they were basically, um, you know, Treated roughly at that at, at that meeting on that on its own accord. Yeah, I don't uh, oh. I don't remember if uh, they were there or not. I think I know the press conference you're talking about with some of those frontline physicians. But here's here's my hope, William. Let me tell you about our Senate leadership in the Republican Party, because uh, I was mentioning a few senators in your call of those who had done it well and right. You know, there's there's several of them. They're just not in leadership. Here's your leadership. Mitch McConnell, in, in, and I'll just give it to you in order. Mitch McConnell, John Thune, John Barrasso, Roy Blunt, Joni Ernst, and Rick Scott. How much do you hear from them about these things? Very little. Very little. I don't think most people know what I just said, that this is the Republican Senate leadership. We would be 
a much better party if the leadership started with the kinds of people I was mentioning to you before, I believe. I believe it would be. Yeah, and, no, I agree 100%. And this and is a party of a the... Group of, yeah, go ahead. But if you, if you had a group of people in your, your work or executives below you and above you, and then you had some good thing you were going to be doing, and some of those guys don't show up, you wouldn't go fight, you blame the enemy across the street who's competing against you. You'd call them out. So we shouldn't be at all going in, because who's listening to that? We should be calling them on the carpet every single day until they come to the party. That's what our talk radio should be at. That's what our media should be at. Why are we allowing these guys to not show up at the table, come make a couple of things, have Bush come in and make swipes at Trump? It's like... Why, we I don't think we in talk radio are doing party. that. William, I just disagree with you. I just don't think we in talk radio are doing that. I just, I just disagree with you on that. I think if you're going to find criticism of George W. Bush for making friends with Democrats and criticizing Republicans, the only place you're going to hear that is on talk radio, actually. I just, I don't, I do. I'm sorry. I just, I see it differently. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. For introduction, founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, host of The Word on Wealth, every Saturday morning here at 7, your website, grandcanyonplanning.com. And we were talking about the debate over taxes that Mm -hmm. we're going to have again. And you were just beginning to talk about the political history of one of the, what, cures or proposed cures to those that are bothered by the inequities in the tax system, right? You were mentioning Steve Forbes. Sure. And, and again, you know, it's, it's could be go, go round and round on this. I mean, the flat, the flat tax is talked about on a regular basis, but it never, ever gets any traction. And I think that the flat tax could be a possible solution to some, some of uh, the challenges that we're faced with when it comes to different tax brackets. I mean, if you want to be truly fair to everyone, uh, cut out all those loopholes, which I'm sure in the new proposal the, uh, that uh, is up on, on Capitol Hill right now, I would, again, I haven't read it. I don't know if anyone's read it, but we have to pass it, right, uh, to see exactly what loopholes are going to be in there. But I'm sure there will be, and there's always going to be uh, large corporations probably and those large income earners, Seth, that have uh, maybe some ways to shelter income. But wouldn't it be nice if there was just a way to eliminate all of those uh, potential uh, pitfalls of, of shelters for the wealthy then and just have a flat tax? We all pay 17 percent or whatever that percentage, 20 percent on all personal and corporate uh, earned income. Yeah, after, after a certain threshold, right? Yeah, I think after, they, I, and I think yeah. I, what it, I'm just working off memory, but the latest, latest iteration, something like after like 25, the first 25,000 or 35,000 or something like that. Make, right? make it, you know what, yeah. make it the first 75,000. Yeah, 000. make it generous, What's absolutely. The difference? Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, then again, those uh, lower income earners would be able to uh, hold on to more of their money. And this way we'd still have to, of course, have uh, Social Security. We still have, uh, you know, those pension, uh, government pension, uh, impl- you know, funds out there that are uh, being funded. So we'd have to make sure that those were all being uh, funded properly in order to make sure people get paid the money that they deserve, that they paid into the system. Yep. Uh, and so, but I, I don't think we'll ever get there, Seth. There's just too many special interests out there, and it, there's there's too much of a struggle back and forth between a, both A parties. lot in the tax writing community or the accounting and tax law sure. community. Though one way I am not opposed to getting us there would be um, 
making it optional, making it optional. Would you rather be under the IRS code as it is or would you like to ha- apply by the postcard flat tax? Right, right. That might be an interesting thing. Now, I think there's a big interest in a lot of yeah. people not giving that option, yeah, right, because they know which people will yeah, take. Yeah. But it'd be better than adding eighty-five thousand additional IRS agents, is what the current right proposal is. Oh my gosh! To be gosh, able to collect Sean. more tax. I mean, oh seriously. Oh my gosh! We, yes. Well, I think we have to have a serious conversation in this country, don't we, about what the purposes of taxes are? Uh, agreed. And and when you think about what we take in in taxes, it's enough money to run the government. We yeah. shouldn't be having to deal with budget deficits anymore. Taking in two and three trillion dollars a year should be enough. To right. run our federal government, of course, you know, and again, what what the money, the tax is really there for the government to be able to spend it for our, for our benefit wisely, for our benefit, not to waste it. But obviously, we know the amount of waste in our in our government is just we. I don't even think we could ever realize the amount of waste that there is. And, no, but we're about to increase it. And, and I was just going to yeah. say, but here we are going to give a, you know a blank check. Uh, again, for this spend, frivolous spending that really uh, most Americans are not going to benefit from. John, do you have similar views? You're singularly situated to be an expert on this. Do you have similar views when it comes to Social Security versus giving people the right to invest a certain portion of their income as they see fit? Uh, you know, I think that there could be a, a, a portion of this country that, uh, the, you know, the citizens of the country that work, the people that work, yeah. that uh, may be able to uh, handle mm-hmm. uh, their own investments for their own Social Security, you know, rather than Social Security, so to be able to opt out of yeah. Social Security. But we would, again, though, as a country, have to be pretty... Um, what would the word we be? have to use the word phase in a lot. <laughs> yeah. And we would have to make sure that if, if someone does decide to phase out <laughs> of yeah. the social security yeah. system, yeah. Yeah. that we're not going to let you back in because you messed up or you didn't you know, handle your own affairs. That would be the challenge. And again, then we'd have people, potentially some people that maybe wouldn't have invested that money wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now we potentially have the challenge of them having to you know, go on some type of a welfare. Mm. Uh, so we would have to, that would be kind of difficult. It's almost, I don't really know, Seth, if that would be a viable solution. Yeah. It would be hard to manage that. You know, some people part of it, some people not part of it. John, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I usually do on Mondays, just looking at the week ahead, mm-hmm. things that'll be important for us to be looking at, U.S. Uh, housing starts, jobless claims, that kind of stuff. That's Those are the indices we should be looking for this week, right? Yes. And again, considering um, the markets today, we had a, a nice run in the markets. You know, Dow was down slightly, but not, nothing to be concerned about. But uh, we saw a lot of uh, positive growth in some of these tech companies, even though interest rates creeped up a little bit, which is kind of interesting. So I believe uh, Wall Street is indicating to us that they may have a little bit of idea that earnings are going to be very strong for a lot of these companies, uh, even though maybe some of the other economic indicators may be a little bit lighter than expected. Uh, But generally speaking, it seems that the economy is still um, trying to recover and recover, you know, very well even though we're having all these restraints. Now, do I believe some of the people out there that are saying that the reason we have uh, shortages is because there's so much demand? No, I don't believe that. I believe it's, it's, a, it's definitely a supply chain issue. 
but there's those out there saying that we have enough truck drivers and we have all of the the people uh, to deliver all these goods. But what then? Why are those uh, you know ships all sitting out there uh, waiting to be unloaded? Uh, I don't think that that's the case. I think that we definitely have a uh, you know, a, a disruptive uh, scenario going on with uh, shortages because of supply, and I don't believe it's because of the demand. We During the Trump administration, we had a tremendous demand. We were able to fill all of that. Yeah. Why are we not able to fill it today? It's yeah. because of what happened with COVID-19, putting people home, not at work, and we need to get people back to work. And not training people to be truck drivers. This is, I, this is a problem that's been long in coming. Yeah, and we need to get people back to work, yeah. uh, and if they want to change careers, that's fine. But get them back to work, and we need to get uh, get back on track. This this country has to get back on track rather than trying to keep people home by increasing subsidies to them. Absolutely, absolutely. John used to be called sloth in a in a more serious age. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you. Sorry for the uh, hiccup, but no, uh, not at all. Let me give you the uh, all the time you want to yep. do your Al McCoy. Don't forget, send those, dear John. Yeah. Letters. Dear John at GrandCanyonPlanning.com. If you'd like to schedule an appointment, go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRen Tippic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Bill, how much uh, time do I have here? Okay, good. Rick and Tony, don't go away. We will come right back to you on the other side of this break, and we will be right back. Tony? Hi, Seth. Um... What I wanted to say is I have not heard anybody say, talk show people, articles in the Wall Street Journal, you know, kind of neutral uh, reporting venues uh, or conservative venues. Everyone thinks it's a good idea to take the vaccine, but it shouldn't be mandatory. That's as far as they go about the situation. Well, you might be right about that. I'll tell you the 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 things I have read from people who are, you know, writers and conservative thought leaders. What I've picked up on mostly is we're opposed to the vaccine mandate. Everyone should make their own choice as to whether to take the vaccine or make the choice with their doctor. That's what I that's the way I usually hear it pitched. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, maybe but you I'm might not be listening. you might be right. There might be a, a, a cohort of, of thinkers and conservative whatever. Well, Beth, I'm just surprised there aren't more more voices totally against it. And I am totally against it for myself. If people want to take it, that's fine. However, there is so much information out there, not in the regular news media, the lying news media, but you have to hunt for it a little bit. But even the guy that invented messenger RNA said, please don't do this, because we simply do not know what the long-term reactions are going to be. And even now, there's so many adverse reactions uh, that are coming out, and of course, the hospitals are discouraging the nurses and the doctors for reporting them, or they call them something else, you know, like, uh, oh, this wasn't caused by the vaccine, it was an underlying condition, and there's no way... You can prove that. That's the thing with doctors. They can say anything, and you can't go back in time and do it differently. And, you know, it's just they can say anything they want, and you're never going to be able to improve it, to prove it. Uh, but things like um, the doctors currently, the adverse reactions, and I'm talking about eminent virologists, epidemiologists, renowned doctors, and they usually get 
shunned, they lose their livelihoods if they come out and they speak out on that. However, there are more and more people that are becoming brave. Blood clots in the brain, strokes in the heart, enlarged heart. Um, Young people, the uh, family physicians are noticing cancers in the reproduction organs, huge cancers that just grow really... We, we know this so quickly already, Tony, on the cancer. Yeah, you know, we may. We may. I, you know, so so my, my, my handicap on this and maybe others is that we can do public policy if we're not trained physicians. I'm not. I'm not a trained physician. Um, but I, I want everyone to read the data and follow it. And from what everything I can see, Tony, there is no blanket answer that works for everyone. COVID affects people differently. We know that, right? You certainly know people that have had different experiences. I'm guessing this is something that the doctor you have has to go over with you. I really do. That's my best I can do. I'm not a doctor. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.